Welcome back to I'm Open. Today we're going to be talking about computer-generated fans, a baseball player who disappeared, and the time an international scandal was started because a superstar athlete didn't tell his mom why he was out so late. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open. Time open. Now, on the last episode, we learned about the bubble and the wobble and the different measures and alternatives that sports have been finding to continue going during this time of coronavirus. Now, it's actually surprisingly for for the NBA and the WNBA, it's been going pretty dang well so far. Now, of course, this is a huge logistical just nightmare to put together. There are so many different details and moving pieces just for one pro sports franchise or one basketball team. And then when you take into consideration that it's upwards of 20 sports organizations all sharing the same facilities, complexes, needing to worry about practices, haircuts, uh, you know, getting food, getting their training right, rehab, it's extremely impressive that they've been able to pull this off. And at a time here in the country where a lot of leaders have been uh, in denial of issues plaguing our society or just straight up don't seem to care about the issues plaguing a lot of the members of, of the community, the NBA and the WNBA have done a pretty good job of listening to concerns, being careful, and making sure that it's going to be a safe place to work. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend like they're doing charity work here. This is a huge money-making venture for the NBA to have games on. You'll see anytime you turn your TV on, basically right now, to ESPN or TNT, and I'm not trying to give these guys a commercial or anything. It's just true. Basically, anytime you turn your t- your TV to either of those channels, you will probably see some sort of a basketball game. They're excited to have some, some a product to put on the air. So I'm not saying that this is a, a some sort of a charity piece, but it is impressive the way they've been able to do this safely and with the consideration of the players. Now, the players who, you know, we talked about last episode, some folks like Avery Bradley, for example, he decided for the safety of his family, he chose not to be a part of the bubble. Davis Bertans, my guy on the Wizards, he is hoping to get a big contract this offseason, and he will get a big contract this offseason. He didn't want to put his health at risk here in the bubble ahead of his potential big payday. So the NBA is allowing players to opt out of the bubble, not participate if they so choose. Kyrie Irving also did that for the Brooklyn Nets. Overall, they've been really careful and thoughtful about the way they've carried this out. And we've we've luckily seen, you know, they're testing all the guys every week. And this week, we didn't see any positive tests. Now we're crossing our fingers that it keeps up that way, that they keep that strong bubble and keep following all these procedures. Now, we were joking on the last episode about how guys were trying to sneak out to get food, and food has been a big issue, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on in the show because there's another food incident that happened in the bubble, or uh, regarding the bubble. It didn't happen inside the bubble. We'll get to that shortly. But even when you watch the broadcasts of these games, 
For example, on TNT, when you have Charles Barkley and Shaq on the halftime show, they are sitting super far away from each other at like the biggest tables you've ever seen. They've actually got little, maybe plexiglass or plastic, or I don't know what they are. They've got little boundaries, dividers in between each of their seats at the desk so they can't touch each other. Um, and obviously they didn't do any of the classic things they like to do where Shaq and Charles like wrestle each other and stuff, even for the sideline, you know, for the refs, um, and the guys at the score table on the sideline, there's glass panes protecting each of them. The seats on the bench that the players sit on are there. It's not actually a bench. They each actually have their, like their own individual seat. So they don't have to be sitting right next to each other. Now, you could argue how effective or necessary that even is, considering the fact that the players are still high-fiving and jumping on top of each other and stuff during the game, but it is modeling for, you know, for society and for folks watching the game how these people are really taking it seriously, even though they're on TV, even the interviews, the sideline interviews, shout out to Chris Haynes, Rachel Nichols, all the great uh, journalists who are there in the bubble, living and staying in the bubble with the players right now. And they're doing all their sideline interviews with masks on at a distance, a safe social distance, right? Hanging the boom mic. Luckily, boom mics are long as shit, so you can hold them out and uh, still reach the players. So... It's great that, yes, it's important. I know this is a business thing. Like I said, (laughs) it's not like Adam Silver's Mother Teresa or something. I understand that this is a money-making business venture. But I am proud of the way the NBA has still focused on safety and focused on protecting the players and also setting a good example for the public even as they do return to playing. And, you know, as they've returned to the court, it's been nice First of all, it's just been really nice just to be able to watch some sports. I know this country is still dealing with a lot of issues that are much bigger than basketball. Social issues, civil rights issues, health issues. These things are looming over, you know, everything in our society right now. And that's another thing that these guys have done a great job of during their interviews, after games, after practices, reminding the media basically you know, rather than in the past, maybe guys would have just said, you know, both teams played hard, everybody had a good game. Now that the catchphrase everybody's using, which isn't a catchphrase, it's true, in these interviews is just a reminder that Breonna Taylor, her murderers have still not been brought to justice. And that's more important than anything going on on the court. These guys, a lot of them have social justice messages on their jerseys and they've been very explicit in their interviews after games to stick to that message to not just brush it aside. Now, of course, just in terms of entertainment, it has been a really fun, entertaining thing to have for us to have basketball again. I've been watching a lot of hoops. I've been happy to see that the quality of the play has actually been pretty strong. The guys are seem like for the most part we're working out during the quarantine a lot of them came back in good shape lebron's still getting a shot to fall you know come back a little bit he's been he hasn't been scoring quite to his normal standard but the lakers have been looking good and just wrapped up the one seed but they're the guys are looking good it's and they look like they're trying now some people were worried are these games really going to matter are they going to feel like well there's no fans the intensity's not there well the guys are really trying The guys really are trying, and it's fun to see. Now, 
several players and coaches have talked about how it is hard to get your energy up and really get fired up the way they want to and the way they're used to without having a big full arena to play in, without having fans cheering and the atmosphere that they're used to in performing. The NBA has tried to, to fix this. You can't really fully fix this, but the NBA has tried to address this by each game they make one team the home team. So whatever sounds you're used to hearing at that home arena, whatever songs they play, they play before that game. So for example, my Washington Wizards, we always play Welcome to DC. Not always, but the, for the past few years, we've been playing Welcome to DC. Welcome to DC. We ain't going nowhere. Welcome to DC. So that's our song that we play before right? The games. And I was surprised when I turned on the Wizards game a couple days ago. Now, the Wizards have not yet logged a win in the bubble, but that's all right. That's all right. I'm proud of my young boys, Troy Brown Jr., Rui, Thomas Bryant. Keep balling out there, gentlemen. Jerome Robinson, I see you finally getting some shots to fall after several years. So, look, I'm happy to see my young guns on the Wizards uh, taking taking some shots here and, and getting loose. But uh, we've yet to log a victory, but we did have our classic song, Welcome to D.C., to welcome the guys out onto the court. And, you know, they have the little um, music playing, you know, the defense. So they have all the atmospheric sounds to try to make it feel like you're at that home arena. Now, one thing they've done to take it even farther or further, depending on which one you prefer to say, is to also add virtual fans. If you haven't seen any of these games, you might be wondering, David, what the hell do you mean by virtual fans? Are there like people from The Sims world, like sitting, waving, watching? Well, not exactly. They're real people. Now, they're not... I know, they're virtual. They're not there. They can't be there. We're still still doing social distancing. We're still doing no large crowds. And it looks like, um, like when you're watching these games, it almost looks like a video game or something. Not that the players look like a video game, but they, are, they have so many screens around the outside of the court that it kind of starts to look like a video game. And then when you add the virtual fans, it really looks like a video game. So I'm not exactly sure how teams pick who is going to get to be in the virtual fan spot. But it seems like they do pick. It doesn't really seem like it's just random. We saw Chris Bosh, my guy, tune in for a Lakers game to watch his buddy LeBron James. We saw Paul Pierce uh, log in to watch one of the Celtics games. He's a former Celtic. It doesn't just seem like it's random. It seems like they are kind of picking people who they, they think represent the team or su really support the team to go and watch. And... Um, to give some reference or something to kind of envision as you listen here, it's kind of like if you've been on any of these Zoom calls and maybe a friend or a colleague of yours has like the special Zoom app or whatever the hell it is that allows you to kind of have like a little green screen and make it seem like, oh, I'm at the beach or I'm at the carnival or I'm at, you know, I'm underwater. So you guys know what I'm talking about. The special little background changer app type thing that people get for Zoom. It kind of looks like that, but with like 
50 or 100 people at the same time. So it looks like they're all kind of like in little chairs on the side of the arena, like, you know, like, like an audience, like a, like a sporting crowd, right? Um, for me, like, I don't really like when people do that in Zooms, to be honest, just because it kind of hurts my eyes and it's distracting. I know, I understand it can be cool and funny, but then sometimes it's just, it's so obvious that, you know, you're not at the beach or you're not like on the top of a volcano or something. And it just becomes a little distracting, especially when, you know, as you move back and forth, your face kind of disappears a little bit. Or when you talk, parts of your body disappear. One of my colleagues is pregnant and uh well not anymore but she was pregnant and then she has a beautiful baby now but when she was pregnant she stood up to show us her belly and then her whole body like disappeared and we could only just see like a floating head so there might still be a few little issues to work out with the green screen background situation on the zoom but it seems like the nba is basically using some sort of program along these lines to have fans skype or zoom in or whatever they're using to the games and watch in person now, I was do I was a little dubious about this because I don't really like it on Zoom. It kind of makes my eyes hurt on Zoom. But because it's in the background of the arenas, it's not like the first thing you see. You just kind of see a bunch of little faces. I actually think it looks re- cool. I think it looks cool because you can see people's reactions during the game. People can clap or cheer. I mean, they are a little delayed sometimes. It's not like right, right instantly, but... It is cool to have the interaction of the fans, even if it's virtual. And at this point, I almost feel like there's not enough fans. To have 50 or 60 fans, that's cool. But each fan, you rely on so much to really give energy to the team and to the to the atmosphere. I mean, you think of how much responsibility that just puts on each one fan to really cheer and clap and just look excited with their face, you know? So... I, I think let's go even more. Let's go even deeper in. Let's see more fans. Um, and let's have more of them up on the screens. Let's get more screens. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, you can sort of notice. Now, I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how they necessarily give out these virtual tickets to let you Skype into the games. Wizards, I would love to have one. I would love to have one. We'll, we'll get back to why I deserve one in a moment here. But I do notice sometimes because... If you've zoomed a little bit, you can read people's body language through Zoom and you can kind of tell when people are looking at you on the Zoom or when people are just like working on their emails or busy work in the background and then just have the Zoom up like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh. And then you can tell when people are kind of checked out. So it seems like like you can tell when people are watching the game or when people are just kind of surfing the web, checking their Facebook, seeing if anything cool is for sale on Amazon, whatever. It, it's still kind of obvious. And that, you know, it's it's okay. Hopefully the players don't realize as they're trying, you know, hustling their butts off out there, sweating, running up and down the court. Hopefully they don't realize that these these fans are just busy, like, shopping for new lawn furniture or something um, as they pretend to watch the game. But that's better than what some fans have been doing, which has just been leaving the games. Now, there's been there's been several games where you tune in later in the game. It's, it's not such a close game. And you just see a bunch of empty seats with their virtual seats. Now, you know, it's hard especially when your team's losing by a lot of points or when you're used to your team losing a lot, you just become jaded as a fan. And I understand sometimes we don't necessarily fill up these full arenas that can fit tw- like 20,000 people. 
And, you know, it can be a little sad. I know it can get the teams a little bit down when you go into your arena and it's not full of fans or it's, you know, maybe it's got almost as many fans of the visiting opposing team as it does of your team. And I'm sure that's hard for players. But when you think of this, I mean, like I said, it's not like they have hundreds of fans. It looks like they maybe have 40 or 50 on screen at once. So it's just kind of hard for me to fathom for each of these teams. It's like... You can't just find like 40 people who would be willing to just stay logged on for the whole game or 50. I mean, I understand they want to maybe shout out the season ticket holders or the people who have really been contributing to the team in various ways or been really supportive of the team, community, you know, special community leaders who are connected to the team, etc. But... It's just, you, for some of these teams, it's like you can't find 50 people who are just staying on the damn Zoom until the game is over. I, like, it's a little rude to go and start checking your email or whatever, but at least out of the, you know, at least you're still on there. At least they can still see your face on there. And with some of these games, when I've, when I've turned, turned it on later in the game, third, fourth quarter, and it's maybe a 15, 20 point lead, and you see even the virtual stands are empty, I mean, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. How hard is it? Like, I understand when you're at a game, your team is down 22 in the fourth quarter. You might just say, look, I got to go home. There's going to be a lot of traffic on the way back. I'm tired of just watching my team getting whooped up and down the court. I just want to go home and chill and beat the traffic. That's that's okay. I understand. That's not really the type of fan I am, but I understand why you would think that. But if you're a virtual fan, it's like, can't you just leave it on, like, leave it on mute in the background or something? Just at least, you know, the fans, because there's only 50 or 60, your face is big. Your face is, like, blown up. It's not like a normal-sized fan you would see on the side of a court. It looks like jumbo fan faces on the side of the court. So players can really see you, and yeah, maybe they can see you a little bit if you're maybe multitasking, not totally looking at the screen. But that's better. I mean, they're not probably inspecting each face that clearly. But if you just straight up log off, that hurts. I mean, these guys are leaving their families. I know they're getting paid a lot of money, but they're leaving their families, spending months in this bubble where they only can see their teammates and their coaches. They are sacrificing as well to be a part of this and to entertain us. Right? So the least you can do, just stay logged on to the damn Zoom for the full game. Or let somebody else do it. Give your password to somebody else. And that's why Wizards, if you guys can't find somebody to stay logged on for the full game, hit us up. I'm open, okay? We would love to watch the games. We'll be cheering for the Wizards the whole time. We'll still be rooting for Isaac Bonga as he gets a steal and runs down the fast break, even if we're down 103-86 to in the fourth quarter. That's the way the I'm Open family is, so Wizards... And other teams as well. Look, we have love for all these NBA players, even though, you know, even though we love the Wizards, we appreciate all these guys, the sacrifice they're putting out. And even they've admitted it, it is hard to get amped up for these games. It is hard to really feel like the full energy, the full adrenaline rush that you feel uh, when you're playing in a full arena of home fans or even away fans. So we would love to take a couple of these empty seats if y'all can't find people who are really willing to stay in support for the whole game. While we're talking about Bubble Ball, I gotta just give a quick shout out to Sabrina Ionescu, rising star of women's basketball and just of basketball. She's a hooper, big time, was a legend at the University of Oregon, 
broke all sorts of NCAA records. Now, she just kicked off her WNBA career, and unfortunately, Sabrina suffered an ankle injury, which is a real bummer. We're excited, Sabrina, to see you back on the court. Do not rush, but you're a killer. You are a hooper to the core. We know you're going to be back slicing, dicing through the lane and knocking down shots, but just uh, get well soon, Sabrina. And it sucks. It always sucks when you see a young talent like that, like we saw with Zion Williamson in the NBA, miss games earlier in their career. But you have to remember with young prodigies, superstar talents like Zion, like Sabrina Ionescu, it's the long game. Sabrina's going to be probably playing professional hoops for 15, 20 years. So yeah, this month or two that she has to sit is going to suck. I know a lot of fans are excited to watch her play and she came out looking great her first couple games, but Sabrina, keep the long game in, in mind and we know you're going to be back balling better than ever once you're back to full health. Thanks for listening to I'm Open. Don't forget to leave a rating, write a review, and invite a friend to join the I'm Open family. Enjoy the rest of the show. Now, as we mentioned, the bubble situation has been going really well so far in Orlando for the NBA, and it's been going well for the WNBA too in Florida. It hasn't been perfect. We've had our little moments. Lou Williams, the reigning sixth man of the year, I think three times in a row, one of the just hot scorers in this league that can come off the bench at any time and drop 30 points. He plays for the Los Angeles Clippers. And he was outside of the bubble in Atlanta attending to Family Matters when he was spotted at the Magic City nightclub on Instagram. Now, uh, rapper, recording artist, Jack Harlow, what's poppin' brand new whip just hopped in. If that rings a bell, that's who it is. If not, then you probably don't know who it is. That's fine. Anyway, he's a rapper. He's from Louisville, just like Lou Williams. That's why they call him Lou Willville. He's the king of Louisville. So, Lou Williams was at Magic City. He appeared on Jack Harlow's Instagram. Somehow, Jack videoed him. I guess it was on, I don't know if he was on IG Live or took a photo exactly or what it was, but that was how it was revealed that Lou was there. So Lou got in trouble for breaking the quarantine. Now, everybody was jumping to Lou's defense uh, because he said, look, I was just getting carry out. I was just getting food. And everybody immediately said, look, if you haven't been to Magic City, you wouldn't know that the wings there are incredible. The food there is incredible. I understand, as you guys know, we've talked about this. I love food. I'm a big proponent of food. Uh, but I think people are missing the boat a little bit on this one. It's, I, you know, there's not a specific rule about going to strip clubs that I, that is, that is outlawed, right? It's not like you're not allowed to go to strip clubs. It's just you're not allowed to be in large groups. So yeah, you are allowed to get carry out. But if you have to go inside of a place where there's a large group of people who are not wearing masks and are all within close proximity to each other to get your carry out, then that sort of defeats the purpose of the carry out. You see what I'm saying? I am not, I'm not hating on anybody's carry out. 
if I believe that Magic City has incredible food, I know Stadium Club in DC is supposed to have really good food too. So you got to have a little, you know, bite and, and nourishment to go along with the entertainment. I totally understand that. And I'm not doubting that. But honestly, it's not the fact that People aren't necessarily mad because it was a strip club. I think it would have been the same thing, you know, if Lou was at Walmart in a giant crowd of people as well. You're just not supposed to be in a big crowd of people. Whether it's at a water park, whether it's at a strip club, or whether it's at a restaurant, you're just not supposed to be in a big crowd of people. So people are all like, come on, he's just getting food and all this stuff. And I love Lou. He's really fun to watch. He seems like a really great laid back guy who is really well respected and admired by his peers and colleagues across the basketball world. So I'm not trying to just say, oh, he's a bad person. But I think the way people jump to justify, and this isn't even necessarily his fault, I believe that he was going to... Sure. If he, if he was going to just get carry out, I believe it. That's fine. I'm happy to believe that. But at a certain point, it doesn't really matter what he was doing. You could have just been going to use the restroom in there. The point is, you're not supposed to go inside places where there are large groups of people. It doesn't really matter whether he was getting a lap dance or getting wings. It's, it's either way, he was there, right? So the, at that point, the argument is sort of, you know, null, right? If you let your cousin borrow your car and they crash it into a telephone pole, your insurance isn't going to say, oh, well, good, you didn't crash your car, it was your cousin. All good. Good as new. Poofity poof, your car's back to normal. And no no charges. Don't even worry about this because your cousin was just borrowing your car. That's not the way it works. At least based on a couple Judge Mathis episodes I've seen, I don't think it works like that. So, you know, once it's been done, it's been done, right? The damage has been done. It doesn't matter if you were driving the car, the cousin was driving the car, or what. Just as where it doesn't really matter if Lou was getting food, getting a lap dance, or what, what he was really doing. It doesn't matter. The point is, he was photographed in a large group of people. So that, that was the situation. Now, he, they were trying to say, oh, this picture was old, this picture was old. He was wearing a, a face mask that was officially given to him by the NBA. So that was the giveaway. Now, Lou, it's been all good. He actually posted on his Instagram, basically, while I have your attention, here are the most important social justice issues we need to be focusing on right now. So I'm glad he's turning this into a positive and Lou has been, look, he's been good about it. He's just gone through the quarantine. And then after a 10-day quarantine in Orlando, he will be ready to rejoin his team. I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, it's fine. He will be back in time for the playoffs. The Clippers, they're in good playoff position anyway. But it brings to mind this whole issue and debate about snitching. Now, the NBA has created a snitch hotline, and I don't think they call it the snitch hotline, because then they definitely wouldn't have guys call in, but they basically have a hotline where you are allowed to call in if you see another player breaking quarantine. Now, if you see somebody try to sneak a girl into the room, or try to go out to a club, or to a restaurant, or whatever, you have the opportunity or option as another player to snitch on them. Now, of course, this brings out a lot of conflicting interest, right? It's like, would you snitch on your own teammate or would you only snitch on somebody on another team? But what if you didn't snitch on your teammate and they ended up infecting, you know, more members on your team with the virus? Or who are you really helping? Who are you really hurting? It's complicated. And we'll see as we start to get deeper into the bubble, 
Guys have been really on their best behavior, it seems like, over the past couple weeks. After we had the original Rashawn Holmes and Bruno kind of slip-ups in the first couple days in the bubble quarantine, guys have really been following the rules and following the procedures as they're supposed to, as they've been getting used to it. But it'll be interesting to see as it continues to progress. Do we see any snitch cases? Does it come out who snitched on who? Um, and does it like affect if guys are suspended for games or if guys have to miss a certain amount of time? I mean, this really could affect the playoffs and impact the outcome of games. I honestly think it's probably for the best that Jack posted this because, you know, who knows? Maybe Lou would have just been honest and admitted, hey, you know what? I went out. Um, and I was in a large crowd, so I should probably quarantine now that I'm back in the bubble. But who totally knows if that would have happened or not? Now we just know for sure he's quarantining. He's not really fighting back against it. He just said, sure, I'll quarantine for the two, 10 days and then I'll get back with my team. So it might have been a blessing in disguise that that one ended up being on video. But it'll be interesting to see because, you know... Rajon Rondo. Now, I'm not saying he's doing anything bad, but he's a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. They've got a gentleman named LeBron James on the team, who you might know. And Rajon, he broke his thumb, I believe. He fractured it or something during practice. So he actually left the bubble as well. So there are going to be situations where guys might leave the bubble and return. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how the NBA handles this. And I think they're probably just going to say whoever comes back has to quarantine for 10 days or two weeks or whatever it is once you leave the bubble. So maybe it would have been the case that, hey, even though Lou left the bubble, whether he'd been caught at the strip club, at whether he'd been caught at Magic City or not, he still would have had to quarantine. Maybe that's the case. Maybe they just still would have had to quarantine no matter what since he wasn't in the bubble. bubble hasn't been perfect, but they're working through it. The MLB baseball quarantine situation has been a little bit messier and a little bit harder to figure out. Now, I have always had my doubts about whether this was really going to be able to be pulled off in the first place. When we first started the I'm Open podcast a couple years ago, we let you guys know that the main reason everybody calls baseball America's pastime is because the pastime is when people gave a shit about baseball. Now, as people were wondering and waiting, is football going to come back? Is basketball going to come back? I, I I don't think people were that worried about whether baseball was going to come back. I know some baseball kind of baseball nerds were, but I feel like there wasn't like the clamoring as there was for LeBron or as there still is now for like, what's Tom Brady going to look like in Tampa Bay? Are the Cowboys finally ready to break through? Is Rodgers, does he still have anything left in the tank? All the people are already pumping the NFL storylines now, and we don't even know if we're going to have a season, honestly. And baseball, it seemed like folks weren't quite clamoring the baseball players uh, kept putting on Twitter and Instagram, like, we're ready to play! We're ready to play! Um, and the fans were just kind of like, cool, cool, all right, nice. Um, no, I'm not saying, obviously, the real baseball-y baseball fans were super fired up, but 
kind of middle ground fans like myself, I didn't even frankly realize when the season had officially started. So the first issue that we started to see when baseball was really about to get going was with the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, they've got a promising young roster, and, you know, they actually should have a decent team, so it's not the problem on the field, but it's a problem about the field. Now, the Toronto Blue Jays, they're the only professional baseball team based in, you guessed it, Canada. (laughs) Cities in Ontario for 600, please. Now, Montreal used to have a team, the Montreal Expos, they moved to D.C. to become the Washington Nationals. So now there's just that one team in Canada, the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, Canada, as you may have heard, has done a much better job handling the coronavirus pandemic than their neighbors to the south have. It probably helped that Canada had a better healthcare system set up in the first place to be prepared to handle a situation like this. So, as the MLB Major League Baseball was preparing to get the season back started up, they were dealing with how they're going to travel to each of the different fields. Now, this is the first stupid thing and I'm sorry I don't have a better better vocabulary word, but that's the first stupid thing that I saw from baseball. You really are going to try to have these teams travel from Chicago to Miami to Houston to Seattle to Oakland to New York to Arizona. I mean, is this really a good idea to have all these guys traveling all over the country? Now, they they have a bubble for basketball. I'm not sure why they didn't try to do some sort of a bubble for baseball. I know that there's different, you know, the the weird thing about baseball is each field is different. So in football or in basketball, they're the exact same dimensions, right? Every football field is 100 yards long. Every basketball rim is 10 feet high. It doesn't change if you go to Milwaukee or you go to Denver, right? But in Baseball, each field is slightly different. For example, the Red Sox, they have the green monster, the giant wall in left field because it's a short field. So if it, if there wasn't a giant wall, it would just be really easy to pop it right over, right? So instead, they've got the giant green monster to block guys from hitting home runs every single time. Each field is a little different based on the dimensions, of the outfield, right? So the pitcher is still the same distance from the batter. First base is still the same distance from second base at every field, at every stadium. That doesn't change. But the outfield dimensions do change at every stadium. So I understand maybe baseball guys wanted to take into account for that. But honestly, let's just put that aside for now. They really should have all gone out to like New Zealand, gotten a cricket field and just sent the guys out there to just all play on the same field and be bubbled up. When you start saying, hey, we're flying from Pittsburgh to Texas or whatever, you're starting to make things a little complicated. And that's what we've already seen. Now, Canada just straight off the bat said, we're not having any baseball in Canada this year. Now, MLB said, wait, but the Toronto Blue Jays, their season's about to start and they need to play in Toronto and they're going to need to fly back and forth from Toronto to, you know, to all the other stadiums. And then what Canada said is, huh, well, we don't really give a shit about that. Okay, so there's going to be no baseball in Canada this year. I don't blame them. They're smart, right? They don't want people who might be infected 
coming in from their southern border and infecting Canada when they've done a pretty nice job keeping the country safe. They don't want members of the Toronto Blue Jays and their staff flying all over to the United States where the uh, coronavirus is still running rampant and potentially bringing it back to infect Canada that's been doing a pretty damn good job of keeping it under control. So they said, no, thank you. We'll skip baseball for the year. Maybe if it was hockey, we'd, 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 uh, do something else. But, uh, if it's baseball, we'll happy to, we'll be happy to pass for the year. No, thank you. Keep them down there. So now the Toronto Blue Jays do not have a home arena or a home stadium to play in. So their first idea was let's play, uh, in Pittsburgh, not that far from Toronto. Pittsburgh didn't really want them playing in their stadium that much. They want their own stadium. So then the next suggestion was let's play in Buffalo, which is the minor league team uh, affiliated with the Toronto Blue Jays. But the players on Toronto said, you know, we don't really want to play in Buffalo. We're used to playing in a big professional stadium. Well, guess what, guys? There's nobody in the fucking stadium. Okay, so at this point, you should just be happy. I understand if you don't want to suddenly live in Buffalo all year if you've been in Toronto, but sometimes you just have to adjust. So then what they've ended up settling on is the team, Toronto just plays all away games the whole season, and say if they are going to Boston, New York, they'll play two games as a home game, then two games as away games, all of them in that same city. So they're really just playing all away games. It's going to be a tough season for them. But the idea that they're still making these guys travel all around from city to city doesn't make any sense. And then they're going like halfway with it because they're like, okay, now we're not going to travel that far. So like if you're Cleveland, we'll only, we won't make you travel that far to the West. We'll just kind of keep you traveling to, you know, the Midwest, Chicago, maybe, you know, to, to get play Cincinnati, to play uh, the Yankees, not too far, you know, New York, uh, Pennsylvania, just their surrounding states to Ohio. Uh, not that New York is next to Ohio, but you guys understand the point. They are kind of suggesting that we won't make any team travel too far. So, all right, West Coast, Coast teams will mostly play West Coast teams. East Coast teams will mostly play East Coast teams and etc. right? So now you're fucking up the whole schedule where how can you be sure that it's an even schedule when all the teams even don't get a chance to really play each other? And you're still, you you don't have a bubble, so now guys are traveling around, but they still aren't traveling too far. It's like baseball couldn't even decide how far they wanted to go or not, right? And immediately, the season started and caught a flat tire. Now, I'm not trying to joke about this. This is a very serious issue, and it's something that's very concerning. So I am not laughing at the expense of these players, but... We've already seen, I believe, 14 members of the Miami Marlins team be diagnosed with COVID. Now, a lot of these were non-symptomatic, which is good. A lot of the guys are feeling good and can probably be ready to play back in a week or so. But the point is, when it's 14 guys on the same team, that's a little, that's not just a random. That's not just a blip. Then, baseball, it's not as much of a contact sport as basketball or football or rugby or soccer or something like that where you're really jostling with your opponents, but you you come in decently close contact when you try to tag the guys out. So, if 14 guys are infected on one team, how is that going to affect the other teams? So, the first thing they did was they canceled the all of the Miami Marlins games for the next week or so, but we've already seen 
other teams, the Philadelphia Phillies. They also have had a few guys that are infected. And once you start canceling games, so what are we going to do? The Miami Marlins now have two weeks of games canceled. Everybody else has still been playing. So are they suddenly going to have to play like two games a day now to try to catch up with everybody? I mean, that's that's not really fair. And they're all recovering from coronavirus. And now they all have to play two baseball games in one day to catch up. So I honestly, and I'm not, I'm not rooting against baseball. It's just the way they've handled this has just been a shit show. I would be shocked to see them last through August. Um, and hey, I'm all for human ingenuity, problem solving, positive solutions. And if they can find something, uh, some way to work this out, shout out to them. I think uh, there was a big sporting complex in like the Scottsdale area that was offering to create a bubble for baseball anyway. Let's be honest. I know the guys are used to playing in big fields and big arenas. You really don't need a, an arena because there's no fans. You could literally just set up a field on grass and have the guys play outside. And just set up a bunch of TV cameras. Like, you could probably build with the money the MLB has 10 outdoor baseball fields and a whole complex in a couple days. Just laid out a bunch of turf, right? So, the fact that they basically made this so hard on themselves by still traveling to all the different stadiums to try to pull this off just doesn't make any sense. And... Each step has been a misstep for MLB, for baseball. It's going to be hard to see how they get this back on track. You're still listening to I'm Open. You can follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod to get awesome merch and let us know what you want to hear about on the next episode. Yoenny Cespedes of the New York Mets, he's already opted out of the baseball season. He already left. Now, it was sort of unofficial at first because the Mets were on the road. They went to check Yoenny in his hotel room and there was nobody there. He had packed his bags and he was gone. Now, he just probably was starting to watch the news, see other players who have been, you know, are you really going to go and play against some guys who might have already been you know, infected with coronavirus? It's putting everybody at risk. You don't know, like, if if this team played the Marlins two weeks ago, then they played the Phillies, and the Phillies played somebody else. How quickly does that spread, right? And this is the same thing that the NBA had to deal with when members of the Utah Jazz tested positive, is they had to go back and see, okay, who's played the Jazz over the last two weeks? All of you guys might be at risk as well, right? So, this is something that with baseball, as you keep traveling, they, it's if, if you don't catch it right away, which it's pretty dang hard to do before you feel any symptoms or anything, it could spread so quickly. So, Yoenny Cespedes, who's a member of Generation Y in Cuba, and, and if you're wondering what that is, for some reason, so many people of Yoenny's generation in Cuba have names starting with the letter Y. That's true. Yoenny Cespedes, Yasiel Puig, so many, a lot. Well, I'm just naming baseball players right now because Cuban folks are, are very good at baseball. But there, and I'm, 
this is true. You can ask Cuban people. I'm not just waking, making this up as a white guy. There is a Generation Y in Cuba where so many people are named with the first letter Y, like Yoani Cespedes. It's kind of like how white people uh, in the United States just went off about 10 or 15 years ago and just started naming their kids Aiden, Braden, Caden, Jaden, Layden, Frayden, Maiden, all those types of names. That's kind of a similar thing, I think, that happened in Cuba. Everybody just started giving Y names to their kids. So pretty cool. We had a lot of cool names coming out of it, like Yasil and Uneski and Yoeni. So Yoeni Cespedes... He just decided he's good. He decided to leave. Didn't really want to tell anybody. And I think he probably saw the writing on the wall. This thing isn't lasting for long. I'd rather get out before they go and say, Hey, by the way, Mets players, uh, you guys played against the Phillies last week. And it turns out 11 guys on that team have COVID. So uh, sorry about that. I think he just preemptively was trying to put himself in a safer position back with his family. Because... This shit is just starting to get crazy. I mean, they're canceling games on the fly as they figure out who's tested or who hasn't tested. I think my Yankees actually went down to Philly for a series, and then the Phillies, it turns out, had had some positive tests. So instead of actually playing baseball, the Yankees were just like waiting in Philadelphia in their hotel rooms for like three or four days, just trying to figure out where to go next and where their next games would be. Which seems a little odd because New York is like an hour away. They could have just gone home. But I guess they were waiting for the games to start back up. So at that point, once you're just waiting in random hotel rooms and you have no idea when the next games are going to be or anything, that's when I can understand why Yoenny's just saying, you know what, I'd rather just be at home chilling with my family. And, you know, that's what a lot of football players have already begun deciding as well. Now, the NFL has implemented an opt-out policy that allows players to basically... Uh, recoup a certain amount of guaranteed money that would have been on their salaries if they decide to opt out for health reasons for this upcoming season. Now, I think that's a safe and responsible option that the NFL is providing for their players. You shouldn't be in a sport that's already extremely physically taxing and obviously you can't social distance and guys are together in the locker rooms and the weight rooms and tackling each other, sweating on each other. Um, I can understand why... You need the option to opt out, especially if you're worried about your health, the health of a family member. Yeah, that's probably safe and responsible for them to provide that option. Now, in the NFL, we're starting to see a pretty decent number of guys opt out. Um, but as I mentioned, part of it is, I think, due to the money. Now, I'm not trying to say that the guys are not trying to keep themselves healthy, keep their families healthy. Of course, that's extremely important. That's the most important thing to me, and I'm sure that's the most important thing to most of these guys out there. But part of taking care of your family can be financial. And when you consider the fact that if, for example, if you go to training camp with one of these teams and lose your spot on the team, don't make the team, get cut from the team, you are not necessarily guaranteed your salary, right? But if you decide to opt out right now, before we even get to that point, you are still guaranteed a certain portion of that salary. So preemptively, and I'm not saying these guys are like pessimistic saying, oh, I suck at football. Obviously, if you made it to the NFL, you have to still, you have to be a pretty good athlete and a pretty incredible football player, one of the best in the world. Obviously, the most important thing should be protecting their families and keeping their families safe. But 
it's got to be partly a financial reason as well, where if you're not totally sure if you're going to make the team, because so far we've seen a couple big time, big name players opt out. But for the most part, we have, you know, it hasn't been the biggest names. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, you just suck. That's why you're not playing. That's definitely not true. But it's a, honestly, it's a smart financial move and I don't blame them at all. I'm just kind of breaking down this, this a little bit of the strategy of why some of the guys are opting out, which I think can't be denied is if you're not totally sure you're going to make a team that has to weigh on your conscience. So you're going to go risk exposing yourself, potentially exposing your family by going to training camp, going to practice with your team. On top of that, you have no guarantee of actually making the team and, you know, necessarily earning the full salary that you expected. Now, part of that is because the NFL's union is extremely weak and has the players basically at the whim of management in ownership. So ownership and management of, of football teams are basically able to fire, cut players and not face very heavy financial benefits, you know, whereas right now, if players opt out, they can sort of protect themselves financially. So it's pretty smart for these players to sort of in a way, cut their losses when you weigh the risk of both not having any income and potentially you know, that would be the worst case scenario. If you somehow did get cut and were exposed to some to the coronavirus, so at the same time you're losing your income and you're putting your family at risk, that's the absolute worst case scenario. So I understand why a lot of these guys are taking a step back and saying, you know what, I'm just going to opt out now before we even get to that point. All right, I'm Open Family. We've had a great time with you today, and we're about to get to our Mask Off Performer of the Week, as you've been expecting. We do that every single week. That goes to somebody who's taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves. Of course, this is a shout-out and homage to Future. Thank you so much, Future. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. Now... This mask off isn't necessarily something that has been revealed this week, but I did. I wanted to do a special throwback mask off to a time before the I'm Open podcast even existed. But this was an incredible mask off moment in relation, in honor of a gentleman who's having his birthday today. Now today is August third that we're recording this show. You should be hearing it in the next day or two. So forgive us, but today as we record. It is Ryan Lochte's birthday. And if you don't remember Ryan Lochte, he was overshadowed constantly by Michael Phelps on the United States uh, swimming Olympic team. And if you don't remember Michael Phelps, he's one of the greatest um, American athletes of all time. Uh, and he swims very fast. And he's got long arms and he eats like a million calories a day. And he once smoked a bong, remember that? And he got in trouble. So that's Michael Phelps. You know him. Ryan Lochte was also a member of the U.S. swim team, and he really is an awesome swimmer. Or I don't think he's a little past his prime now. 
But he really is one of the best um, American swimmers that we've ever probably had. The only problem is he happened to be swimming and happened to have his whole career line up with Michael Phelps, who just basically overshadowed him in everything. But the reason Ryan Lochte really gets a birthday shout-out today is because of what happened in the Olympics in Rio. And this wasn't something that happened in the pool, but it was something that happened at night, late at night or early in the morning, when Ryan was out um, imbibing and celebrating with a buddy. Now, we've all heard about how wild the Olympic Village is. And if we haven't heard about it, it's wild. Let me just tell you that right now. The Olympic Village is known to be one of the biggest party places in the world. Not just, I'm not just saying for like people who are there to watch the Olympics, no matter what country it's in, especially obviously in Brazil, where they know how to throw a party with the best of them, but with the athletes who a lot of them have been dry, you know, working, 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 working to get to this moment, something they've been working their whole lives for. And whether you get a gold or silver medal, or whether you finish 11th, just the fact that you're in the Olympics with so many of your peers is so exciting. It's got to be such an adrenaline rush. And allegedly, there's some pretty legendary partying that goes down at the Olympic Village every time. So this story is something that was really big on the news at the time, but I still almost feel like was didn't get enough coverage. And, you know, this is one of the things I love about sports is that just sometimes truth is just way more interesting than anything you could imagine. And this story kind of feeds into that in the best way. Now, Ryan Lochte was out turning up with a buddy in Rio. Sounds good. Good start. Now, his mom eventually ended up getting worried about where he was. And, hey, I've been there before. My mom has been worried about where I've been. And I, I understand. I think that's something that we can all relate to with Ryan. Now, Ryan was a, you know, was a grown man. It's his talk, like, I'm, you know... It's a little different. It's not like you're in high school and your mom's like, I thought you were going to be home by 12. So it's a little different. Ryan was a grown man in the Olympics, but he was out in Rio. He was in a different country and maybe his mom knows that he likes to, to throw him back. Uh, so she was just being careful and then checking in. So that's where it all started. Ryan locked his mom. She was checking in. Where have you been all night, Ryan? Where have you been? And Ryan, instead of just saying, yo, we were out raging all night, uh, sorry we didn't come back until the morning, whatever, he said that they had gotten jumped. Yes. He said that he and his friend had gotten jumped or mugged or something, had their stuff stolen or whatever it was. Now, this kind of reminds me of Breaking Bad, which I'm watching right now. And yes, I am watching it for the first time. Please don't make fun of me. Uh, but not that Ryan Lochte was cooking meth or anything like that. But it just kind of brings to light how one little lie that you can sometimes just tell to protect yourself or to maybe you think protect someone you love requires another guy, requires another lie, which begets another lie which leads to another lie, all to cover up, the, cover up the first initial lie, which may have seemed just sincerely 
simple and and not malicious, but as you build and build, the lies have to get bigger and more complicated just to cover up that first little lie when you could have just maybe told the truth, even though it felt hard. So Ryan, he first told his mom, we got jumped. We got robbed last night. That's why I didn't come back until early in the morning and was still wearing the same clothes, looking disheveled like he had just been through a night of raging, which he had. Apparently, there was some sort of a sick banger at, like, the French, I think, like, the 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 French Olympic House had been hosting some sort of a rave that night, which I'm sure was a great time that Ryan was out with a buddy and then leaving back early in the morning. So, instead of just saying, oh, my God, that's terrible, Ryan got jumped, got, you know, whatever, R- Ryan's mom... She made a huge deal about this. Now, as I'm sure a lot of moms would if they heard that their kid got jumped or got robbed. So Ryan locked his mom. She starts going to the press. She starts going to the Olympic Committee. How could it be that Ryan is not safe and he's one of the most famous American athletes in the in the U.S. Olympic uh, delegation and he's a legendary swimmer for the U.S. team and how is it that he couldn't even be safe in Brazil when he's coming back? He's just trying to rage and shotgun a couple, couple brews with his swimming bros and how how could he not be safe during this whole process and it became a huge uproar ryan lochte during the olympics got jumped got shit stolen got his wallet stolen what did people not recognize him did people not know he was about to be swimming in the freestyle relay the next day or whatever whenever so then video footage started to come out of a gas station where ryan lochte and his friend basically just defaced the gas station. I think they were like looking for the restroom. The restroom was closed and they started like breaking shit or like they tried to like kick the door down on the gas station or something. So Ryan was just trying to cover up for himself basically being out all, out all night raging and not texting his mom, not letting her know where he was. So he's for, he covers up, says I got jumped or whatever. That's why I didn't come home until late. That's why I'm looking like I just climbed out of a haystack looking all messy. But then as they went in to find out more details, they found this footage. Ryan did not get jumped. Neither did his friend. And it turned out they were both just raging drunk, basically breaking shit. And somebody came out from the gas station and was like, hey, if you guys are breaking all this shit, I'm going to sue you or call the police. And they said, no, 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 please, please, please. And they just paid him to basically chill about it and not bring up a lawsuit or, or sue them, which let's be honest, he should have sued them. Ryan Lochte's probably rich. So... And who knows if he end, in, ended up suing him or not. So this was just a crazy story. I'm not trying to ruin your birthday, Ryan Lochte. It's just a story that if you missed, uh, you know, last Olympics because you were so focused on the handball tournament, you might have missed this. Because this is just one of those stories that that make me love sports in just the drama. You can't make this stuff up. And I can see how in that position being wasted, Ryan didn't know what to tell his mom, didn't want to get in trouble for basically being a drunk asshole and breaking some shit just to try to find a place to pee in the middle of the night. But his lie really backfired on him big time and it became one of the most interesting sports stories, I think, of the past 
few years. So shout out to Ryan Lochte. I hope you drink responsibly today on your birthday. And I hope your mom's there to celebrate with you as well. And I hope you guys are communicating very clearly and honestly so we don't have any more mix-ups like we did in Rio. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open. Please leave us a rating, write us a review, and tell a friend to listen to the show. You can follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod to let us know what you want to hear about on the next show. Everybody, have a great night, and don't forget to stay open.